but most people are are wary of introducing that into um, the public school system at, at large, especially on, on the high school and, uh, and elementary school levels. The problem is a lot of the CRT thinking is being introduced into those uh, into those arenas under very disingenuous auspices, and and yeah. I, I say that specifically from a, from a language standpoint. All right, welcome back, everybody. Um, so today we are we're starting this new uh, process of of videos, um, and it's more about you know teaching me something on areas that I don't know as much about. And I have um, some great guests coming up. So today, um, what I noticed there was a lot of conversation going on about critical race theory. And I realized I really don't know enough to bring you guys the facts. So I reached out to my friend. Um, and he is one half of the Wright brothers right here on Twitter or on YouTube, um, Mr. Trey Felder. Welcome to the channel. Howdy, howdy. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. I, I was really um, glad you, you accepted to come on because I think, like I said, this is just a big issue that um, we're talking about. And so everybody knows we are talking about critical race theory. And I just don't really know enough about it at this point in time to have a full formed opinion on it. So that's why I have you on here. And um uh, and, and I think you are more of an expert on it than me. So, <laughs> If I'm the expert, we're playing uh, fast and loose with that term. <laughs> hey, that's America in 2021. But yeah, I mean, I, I would assume that most uh, watching uh, the, this broadcast are, are at least somewhat aware of the, uh, of the conversation around critical race theory. Uh, but maybe not so much uh, about the nuance of it. And, and you know it's a divisive topic if when you go to search for it, it is very, very difficult to find anything that is not heavily slanted one way or the other. Like you'll, you'll find one article yeah. that's for it and one article that's heavily slanted against it. Very little out there that is just objectively, here are the facts and let the reader um, make, uh, make conclusions as they see fit. But um, I guess the, the first thing that I would touch on is that um, critical race theory, it, it's nothing really new. Uh, it, it's been around since, uh, I want to say the 80s. Um, and the, the biggest portions of it uh, is that, or the best way to think about it from what I, from what I can gather uh, and from what, the way I've seen people on the right and the left uh, speak about it, is it's a kind of repackaged uh, Marxist uh, ideology that focuses specifically on the legal ramifications of race. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I say Marxist because it always divides you into uh, oppressor and oppressed. If you are a member of a, um, a quote unquote uh, privileged group, which is a term I really hate using, but you know, when in Rome, um, yeah. it's, it, it's kind of one of those things where there is nothing that you can do to absolve yourself of that uh, oppressor status, no matter if even even the best laid intentions uh, are intentionally in many cases misconstrued as uh, just an extension of one's privilege uh, and unaware attempts to um, oppress uh, the less privileged communities, etc. And then on the flip side, which is actually where I have a, a bigger problem, is um, the oppressed 
are always, always robbed of their own agency. And what I mean by that is there, there's this term in, in sociology um, that was used a lot in sociology called the locus of control. Uh, you may have seen me use this uh, term on, on Twitter every now and then. It's one of the few yeah. uh, kind of brainiac phrases that, that <laughs> stuck with me when I was in college. But um, ba basically what it means is there's two ways of looking at life. You can look at life as either having a internal locus of control, which is where you control your destiny, you have a tangible lasting effect upon your surroundings, et cetera, mm -hmm. or you can have an external locus of control, which is to say that no matter what you do, there's always going to be outside forces that kind of wind your way through, wind their way through your life. And you're so basically just bobbing in a stream, hoping that the current takes you to a fortunate place. Um, yeah. Of course, there, there's a, a middle ground in there that, that is, that is reality, but uh, critical race theory tends to rely very heavily on convincing uh, its practitioners that the, the external locus of control is that in fact the way of the world and when you are constructing a theory that's based on oppressor versus oppressed if you have external locus of control basically serving as as the uh, as the axiomatic factor then it, in effect if you are in the oppressed category then nothing that you can do is ever going to allow you to clean that, uh, that, that agency back over your life. So uh, that, that's why I have so much of a problem with it. Um, because I, I, honestly, at this point, 2021, we've heard the, the white supremacy, shtick, trope, narrative, whatever, uh, spun this way and that until the cows come home. But yep. uh, critical, critical race theory is really one where the, it's one of the few theories out there that that solidifies it and because of the wording around it which i'm sure we'll get into later uh it, it's taken pretty deep root in um in academia at this point and uh, it, it's something that uh, that we're going to have to contend with uh, from from henceforth at least in the near term yeah absolutely i think i think that's that's a good point so um because right now we're seeing it starting to be pushed into elementary schools, high schools, and everything like that. And what we see a lot of it being advertised as is white people bad, black people oppressed by white people. And like you said, it's almost like they're advertising it like doesn't, it, because you are black, you could never not be oppressed by the white person. And that's why you see leftists all the time sitting here going, I'm white. So I'm a racist, you know, type thing. Um, it doesn't matter. You can never change your stripes or anything like that, you know, but here we are, transsexual mm -hmm. woman, black man having this conversation, right? <laughs> I, I love technology for this reason. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it's great because we can see just how, how much, you know, how much race Race is a big issue in the country. We can obviously see that there are white supremacists in the country. I just, I don't think it's as big as people make it out to be. And, um, but going back to critical race theory now, is it true that it was like Black Lives Matter Inc. kind of created this? Well, they didn't create it, the, the theory, because you said it goes back a long time, but they kind of revamped it and they started pushing this to schools in order to, end the oppression right this is kind of what they're and this and people know that black lives matter inc is a marxist organization i mean it lays this type of division out in the communist manifesto um 
but is that is that kind of where the origins have started to come back up and why this has become such a big popular movement right now yeah well it, I'm, honestly the, and like i said this goes back to so it goes back a ways um but you could say that about a lot of kind of harebrained ideas in, mm -hmm. in academia um the the problem arises when there's a societal vehicle uh, of sorts at play um, that allows the, one particular theory, for whatever reason, to promulgate across you know, uh, across the country in whatever whatever form. Um, the the Black Lives Matter um, phenomenon, if you will, uh, was just a, a right vehicle at the correct time in, in American you know. A socio-political discussion um, to to kind of burst onto the scene and gain a ton of momentum before I think a lot of people really knew what it was. Think, think of it in, in many ways um, how how people were labeling this, that, and the other thing as alt-right mm -hmm. when not even people who were eventually castigated as alt-right even knew what that was supposed to mean. Yeah. Um, alt-right could have ranged from anything from being pro second amendment to sharing a, a pepe meme like it, it was just it was yeah. all there, i so. mean anybody that's any part right is considered all right i mean even mm -hmm. us libertarians get labeled as alt-right because we don't exactly. we don't think that the government should be involved and they want to they want us they want the government involved mm -hmm. you know and that goes and that even goes back to you know the system systemic racism issues and stuff like that and and um and and i've talked about that um last year on the show i had wendy bell on and we talked about the real reasons behind systemic racism and everything like that where it comes from democratic policies and you know um teachers unions and public schooling and everything like that so that's where a lot of that comes from but and and that's where they start pushing no you're all right if you don't believe that we should send more money to you know these communities and stuff like that to prop their systems up even though they're the communities that are getting the most money anyways <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> it's a never ending cycle you create yep. the problem and uh, promote the cure but uh, yeah it, i mean that to go back true. to uh, the, the 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 nascent i guess catching on of um, critical race theory uh, probably owes most of its origins to um, uh, the advent of Black Lives Matter and then, of course, a political upheaval um, that, that came to a head, um, I want to say it was uh, last year, maybe a little bit further back than that when President Trump uh, essentially banned critical race theory from being taught in any uh, federal capacity. Yeah. Um, and and now, now what we're seeing are, are you know, these same fights playing out on the, the local levels and different jurisdictions uh, yeah. that are not federally controlled. Um, the, the issue um, that I'm finding now is, is not so much, uh, most sane people, and I say sane because uh, there, there are plenty that aren't, um, but most sane people, when they, when they hear kind of the core tenets uh, of what critical race theory is truly about, i.e., you know, Marxism and external looks of control, um, perpetual oppressor-oppressed uh, dynamic, etc. Most people are, are wary of introducing that into um, the public school system at, at large, especially on, on the high school and, uh, and elementary school levels. The problem is a lot of the CRT thinking 
is being introduced into those uh, into those arenas under very disingenuous auspices, and and I, I say that specifically from a, from a language standpoint. Uh, I distinctly remember I, I want to say this was uh, maybe a month month and a half ago where I, I was just standing in line checking out uh, at a convenience store, and on the newspaper the, above the fold, big bold letters, um, was talking about how uh, some some Texas school district um, quote unquote rejects anti-racist uh, teachings. It was, it was a very, it was a yeah. scathing headline just from the jump. And you knew yeah. going into it, it, it was made to evoke these feelings of the reader of, of horror of, okay, why would you not want people to yeah. eschew, be, eschew racism? And that's, and that's how it's being couched. And in, in many ways, it's kind of, yeah. it's, it's appropriate that BLM is the vehicle for it in many ways, because in much the same way that BLM is tough to combat because the language is uh, in effect unassailable. We all agree, again, same people everywhere, uh, all yeah. agree that Black Lives Matter, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that I have to support everything that BLM activists, activists stand for. Absolutely. In the, same, in the same way, we have the same dynamic going on with critical race theory, where it's not said necessarily that it is critical race theory, but it is couched in such a way as we don't want our children to grow up with no knowledge of America's racist past. Uh, we, we don't want um, anti-racism uh, anti to be excoriated in the schools. And it's just, it, it, it's so duplicitous and, and sinister because the minute that anyone speaks out against it, that label gets put out as, oh, you are a racist if you're white. And yep. if you are a minority, then you are self-hating. Uh, they'll try yeah. to flip you and try to make it seem like oh you, you have some sort of a Stockholm syndrome yeah and it's, it's really weird yeah I get that in the LGBT community so I completely understand what you're talking mm -hmm. about there it's the same it's the leftist mantra and I was actually I have that listed on here as well because thunder. I, get, I, I start to oh no no go ahead I, I actually I'm glad you brought it up because um the the name for that that the left loves to use and see the media is complicit in pushing all of this stuff too because they're in bed they want those those people but they're also afraid of it's it's called a what is it a Khalifka trap so oh, uh, a Khalifka yeah. trap is something yeah it's so BLM, Antifa, and other organizations like that, they name themselves Black Lives Matter or anti-fascist so that when you say that you're against that organization, they say, what, you don't think that Black Lives Matter? And mm -hmm. that's, it's, it, that's the trap because then you can never disagree with them if they can, if they can push that. And so now with critical race theory, you're absolutely correct. It's just them pushing that same thing into schools where if you're against teaching critical race theory, then you must be a white supremacist or, mm. you know, or, or a self-hating black man, you know, mm. it, it's, it's absolutely, it's the MO of the left. And you, when you see it, when people actually get into it, they see it, but see, like you said, it's so divisive that the whole first page of Google is why does the right hate black people, mm -hmm. you know, exactly. because, because exactly. of this, um, so it's you can't really have this honest conversation about what really needs to be happening. Um, I've seen it a few times on Twitter now because there is this whole um, conscious black conservative movement on Twitter mm -hmm. kind of starting to push this stuff, yeah. um, which I got in trouble last week because I called out 
one of the people that's been propped up because she was she pleaded no contest to sleeping with a 16 year old or a 15 or no 16 year old here in Georgia and that when she was a teacher so I'm very aware of <laughs> the person who you refer to so <laughs> yeah I was tired of seeing that person being the face of a movement, so I couldn't hold my tongue anymore. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, this may be a little bit tangential too, but in the whole evolution of my brother and I being in this space, I should say I'm half of the Wright brothers, but definitely the lesser half. He does yeah. way <laughs> He's also single, so I may play a part into it, but um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's it's um it's something where I I've been striving very hard on social media to try to stay away as much as possible from uh, from labels because what I found is uh, people will try to paint you into a corner with your label and then no matter what you are arguing for or against. They'll just argue. They'll just trot out their tar- their talking points against that label, yeah. and you, you end up fighting uh, fighting battles that have nothing to do with the conversation at hand. And, and to me, I find that incredibly annoying. One because I, as much as I enjoy arguing, my time is valuable. <laughs> yeah. So I want, I want an argument to at least be productive. But going back to your point about critical race theory, it is hard to even begin to discuss the, the points that critical race theory raises because it, it is a very different play. It, it plays a lot differently to say I'm against critical race theory as opposed to, oh, I'm against teaching anti-racism in schools. And so you end up having an argument about the language before yeah. you even get to what the actual argument is supposed to be. So yeah. uh, there, there's two ways to really, that, that I found, and I'm, I'm, hopefully there's better ones out there, but there's two <laughs> ways I found to, to kind of combat it. And it, the first is, is that I'm, I'm going to redefine the language right off the bat. If, if we cannot agree that no, I'm not a self-hating black man, or, I, or if, it's a, if it's another debate, say, uh, say abortion or something, no, I do not hate women or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. If, if, if if I'm going to get into it, I'm going to set those ground rules right off of that. The second mm-hmm. second way to combat it, and it's a little bit more effective on social media just because the people's attention spans are very, uh, very short, is to just treat it with the same incredibly ludicrous energy that you would if somebody tried to present to you um, flatter theory being real. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so on some level, at some base level, we have to say, look, there is no debate here. I am. I refuse to. I refuse to cite my sources on why the Earth is not flat. No. If we. If if we are. If this is our impasse, I'm more than happy to have that impasse and not waste my time on it. It's not as effective for generating debate. But yeah. what I found is a lot of people who bring this out do so in bad faith. Yeah. And, and there. And one thing that I have learned in you know, I guess a decade plus on social media is that if someone is willing to start in bad faith, very, very rarely are they ever going to come back around to, okay, let's have a genteel, well thought out discussion on the merits of each of our arguments. So yeah, uh, it, it, you, you kind of have to decide going in what kind of a discussion that you're going to have. Uh, because otherwise you'll, you'll end up frustrating yourself uh, into thinking that you're going to be making a difference when you're really not. Yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, 
far too often nowadays we can't come together and actually find some common ground we can't even see past mm-hmm. the other person's like you said their labels um <laughs> because people don't actually listen to what the other person <laughs> says or they don't actually read what the person says they see one or two words and then they see who you are and where your labels are and they think they read everything into it if i'm <laughs> if i'm not 100 completely critical of donald trump i am a trumpist mm-hmm, am, exactly. even though i didn't i voted for joe jorgensen i am a trumpist mm-hmm. <laughs> because i don't oh, hate donald trump <laughs> yeah i mean i'm not a MAGA person but i i i didn't think that he deserved all the criticism that he got so if you defend mm-hmm. him you're 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 a MAGA guy you know they they exactly. work you all in just based on one interaction not the whole body um, and you're right. I mean, it, like you said, if you're arguing in bad faith, then sometimes you, you, it's just better just be like, okay, let's walk away because yeah. I'm not changing your mind. At some point, yeah. you have to use the mute button and just walk away. <laughs> you, know? no, you do. And, and uh, that, that's actually a great point when it comes to debate, not just critical race theory, but anything yeah, you uh, there, uh, there has to be a point at which you are willing to walk away. Because first, first of all, you have to realize, 99.9% of people are not going to change their mind based on an internet debate. They yep. just aren't. And so when you take yourself out of the mode of, I'm going to introduce point A, point B, point C, and they're going to see the error of their ways and repent. When, when you realize that's not going to happen, yep. it changes how you discuss things online. And, and nowadays when I get into a debate with someone, I'm less arguing with them and more parrying for the sake of, whoever might be viewing or passing by, whether they comment or not. Exactly. I don't care. I don't care about comments, likes. I don't even know how many followers I have, to be honest, yeah. uh, on any social media platform. But I do want people to see maybe maybe there's somebody out there that's on the fence uh, that yep. may be looking objectively at one side of an issue or another. And in my mind, if I can represent my points well, that's a, a feather in my cap. And maybe that person changes their mind down the road, that bystander, maybe they yep. don't, but I've given them something to think about. So, and when I'm in that mode, I can easily say, hey, you may have the last word here and I'll walk away. And I, I won't, I, I'm the sort of person, I don't enjoy giving people the satisfaction of even muting or blocking them. <laughs> so I, I'll see their little notification badge pop back up and I'll just refresh it and keep scrolling past it. And that's something that I had to train myself to yeah. do. Yeah, that's hard. That's really hard to do. That's why I have to use the mute button. I, I mean, I, have yeah. like, I only have like 22 people blocked on, on Twitter. I guess I'm blocked by like 2100 though. So. That's always weird to me how you can get blocked away by somebody who's never interacted with you before. I mean, it, it just it blows my mind how, how people can cut off sight unseen someone who they, they you know may or may not. I, honestly, there's a handful of Twitter followers that I have right now our, our mutual Twitter followers that, that I have right now, our, our first interaction actually started in an argument where we were on opposing sides. And yeah. we, we ended up hashing it out, talking it out. Some of them ended up being actually, you know, more on the right side of the fence. Some of them yeah. are, are on the left side, but that, that type of give and take is, is what I kind of live for. And it may only happen yeah. one out of a thousand times, but uh, it's very worth it. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm the same as you. Like I said, I get into heavy, heavy talking points, but that's kind of how I have, have gained more mm-hmm. people and have gained more people that I follow because I see, like you said, you ha- when you can actually find somebody that you can have a discussion with and actually yeah. disagree with on something, but still have a discussion and, and 
and not wind up throwing insults and stuff like that then then it's good i would i would love to bring people that i disagree with on this channel actually i had taylor leanne chandler who is more of a left-leaning um leaning person on here and we actually realized that we don't disagree on a whole lot you know we just Mm -hmm. think a little bit differently in small areas and that's where most people are you have these two big divides that want the two centers to be thinking that they're on this these these far ends when they're really not they're not far away from each other exactly and and it's not really that hard to figure out oh yeah no it's not you're right so like that interaction that i had with that group it was kind of talking about they were kind of even they were bashing conservatives at this point Mm -hmm. because they're saying conservatives use the term colorblind as a way to (laughs) show that they they don't they don't they don't they don't want to be seen as racist so they say that they're colorblind and I think that the word colorblind gets misconstrued so much to mean that we don't actually see race. Um, and it's kind of like the term pride when it comes to the LGBT community. People, like mm. Conservatives see pride as right you're prideful of your, your sexuality. And that's not what it's about. You know, it's about, right. it's about being prideful of where we've come from and everything like that. And, and being able to be who we are and being open and without oppression. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so colorblind simply means that I will not treat somebody different because of their race. It doesn't mean that I don't see race. And that was the whole <clears throat> minuscule detail that they were talking about when it came to critical race theory. It's like, how can you not believe in critical race theory if you don't see color? I'm like, that's, that has nothing to do with what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, it's such a nitpick. And I, I, actually was, I, I actually was approaching that same terminology from a, from a different uh, angle a couple weeks ago on social media and, and it, my, my point was that colorblind obviously it, it, if you look at it if you look at it objectively like you're saying just you yeah. treat people the same no matter no matter what color they are um, that's obviously a positive message yeah, I don't exactly. think any, any of us would disagree with that uh, we, we've allowed and I say we I, I talk about society uh, we've allowed the language to shift off center to the point where that's now used as a cudgel to beat people over the head with. And I I have a huge problem with that because uh, my, my, my contention in in my post was, where is it going to be, you know, 20, 30 years from now, are we going to say that uh, saying that you're inclusive is somehow not a, not representative of of being um, welcoming to people of all walks of life. Uh, It's really a slippery slope when we allow bad faith actors to have such control over uh over the language etymology i, I mean we that, that's how we end up with you know we can't say colored people but people of color is okay grammatically that is the exact yeah. same the exact yeah. same thing there's no difference whatsoever and I'm a, I'm a grammar nerd as many people know <laughs> so it's like when i see that it make it sets my teeth on edge because i, I I, I'm like, wait a minute, I, if, if we just switch words, it's actually more efficient to say colored people, but if I say that, then you know, you're the most racist person under the sun, we can have NAACP, guess what the C stands for, but you yeah. know, what, it's existing alongside such a world culture. So it, it, it creates these really weird ripples in, uh, in the social paradigm that uh, are not really healthy because we're allowing people to debate in, in bad faith. Uh, yeah. And when I somebody say that they're colorblind i'm i hear somebody say that they are striving to have equality in its truest form that's that's all it is that's all it should 
But if you are looking at it and saying, okay, this means that, you know, you just don't see color at all. And you try to take that literally and then use that absurdly yeah. literal definition to beat people around. It, it just yeah. doesn't. I, yeah. Cause I think, I mean, the term, and that's, that's, this is the thing that, I mean, leftists and people that argue in bad faith always like to change the meaning of words when it fits their narrative. Right. And that's what we've seen a lot happening right now, but most people that say that are just trying to listen to what Martin Luther King said in his I have a dream speech. Mm-hmm. That whole speech was not about was about not seeing color, right? I mean, exactly. exactly. So I think that's where, where, where that comes from. And, and I think that's where we can we well, can't let people really, change the narrative, right? <laughs> we can't let people change about, the It's about power. And it's about, yeah. it's about controlling um, those who you, you feel um, should be uh, behaving in a way differently than, than they are currently. That's really all it's about. It. Yeah. And, and some people really are uh, all about equality, and I, I applaud them for it. I commend them for it. Um, but in many, in many ways, especially when you have grassroots efforts that, that get nationalized, um, there's a lot of people that glom on to uh, the, the kernel of something that was actually, that was actually pure and wholesome. And, and transmuted into something that that really uh, is only self-serving for their own goals. Yeah. And, and when when I when I see that happen with language, especially, it, it really does irk me because oh, yeah. it, it's it's not like, like like we said earlier in the in the show. You become you you end up having an argument about the language that's being used, and yeah. that can span more much more of the discussion than okay, what are our actual point by point differences and yeah. agreements. And, and like you said, if, if more people were able to get to that level uh, of, of discussion, they'd yeah. probably find they're not as far apart like, like you and yeah. uh, like if you were saying. But you know, we, we rarely get there because it's not sexy, it's not clickbaity. And you know, next thing you know, we're, we're sitting here debating the superfluous. Yeah, and I, I think, um, I mean, it's perfect example too. And, and it really started to, you know, rear its head a lot was in the Trump Trump era, right? Under his administration, people didn't actually listen to what he said. Like, right. the perfect example is people even still claiming that he told people to inject bleach. When if you actually uh, clearly look and watch the video, yeah. he said he was spitballing. Like, can we do? Can we get something like that that mm. cleans the inside of the body like that? Using an, as he was an asking, analogy, <laughs> he was asking a question. If I remember. Yeah. Yeah, he but was yeah, asking yeah. it of his top scientist. This top scientist yeah. was like, yeah. and he was like, you know, we talked about like using UV, like, because it kills it instantly. Mm-hmm. Like, can we get something like that goes in the body, like UV or like disinfectant that goes in and like cleans it all up? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And then that they, was, it got so spun. <laughs> it's, it's an interesting way that, that Trump was covered. And we're, I'm, I'm actually, I mean, I voted for Trump both times mm-hmm. obviously I'm, I'm disappointed he didn't win the second term but i think it's mm-hmm. interesting to see now that there is a new administration in office the uh, disparity in coverage between what what was said and then the way it was covered uh, like you you, yeah. you mentioned talking about the inject bleach thing uh i i actually think it goes back even further to uh, when he was talking about the um the border wall oh yeah you know he said that they aren't sending their best and they're sending rapists and etc uh, he he those were not if you listen to this full quote in context those were not his words he was paraphrasing what he was saying he was being told by border officials 
Yeah. And, and that's that's a whole that's a whole different ballgame than just, you know, some random guy coming down to the border and just, you know, shooting off at the mouth. But of course, it just got it got covered a whole lot differently than it actually went down. So, yeah. Um, I mean, and then him calling MS-13 animals. And they mm, misconstrued yeah. it as he called Mexicans that, and it and and it was just, it was just one thing after another, you know. And, they, and that's not to say that he didn't have gaffes, like he oh yeah, he, he misspoke all the time. And I oh, yeah. in many many cases, I had no problem taking him to task for it. But it was just it would happen where it didn't matter what he said, pro pro or con, even if it was just a a, a fairly benign point that was being raised it was always read in read or spun the worst possible way and that's that's yeah. you know it, that's we're not seeing that happen as much now so it shows you how, how much the media is complicit in that language oh there. no they they don't they they were silent when the president said something about a 13 or what is it a nine-year-old girl the other day so <laughs> i don't know you know uh, oh yeah i heard, I heard about that that was, uh, that was creepy it, it really <laughs> was it's like you know i i felt you know, during the Trump era, it was one of those times where you're sitting here trying, you're talking language, you're talking, that was the argument. And that's what we were talking about before was that that's the argument. It's not about, you know, the actual issues. It's how they misconstrued him, what he said. And if you can't, basically, if you can't like get to an equal footing to understand the basic thing that he said, you're not, you're not going to go anywhere past that because then you can't even agree on the, the basics, right? Yeah. exactly it's it's an unfortunate impasse that really is a, it's an, an impediment to uh any any reasonable discourse yeah uh, especially when you know to bring it back to our, our topic at hand when we're, yeah. we're talking about critical race theory it, it's it's so important to not just say why you're for or why you're against um critical race theory uh, tenets but also be able to codify why yeah. uh, and i i find it extremely insidious um, that such a such a harebrained theory could have taken hold uh, in this day and age. Uh, if you look at any sort of trends or statistics, whether you're you're talking immigration, whether you're talking um, the rates of marriage or, or just couples in general, um, there is just there's more um, prolific race mixing than ever before. I mean, my own family is an example of that. Yeah. This month will make uh, ten years married to my wife. We have two um, mixed kids. And it's just, as you see so much more of that just in our own community and across the country, it makes you question why there's this, this extreme push to uh, push these, these polarizing topics into education. It really makes you wonder where, where it's all coming from because uh, it's not something that if we allowed it to proceed naturally and didn't make it, everything so hyper-focused on race, uh, eventually it becomes a point where you can't really tell who's pure this, who's full that, and yeah. it shouldn't even matter to begin with. So uh, it's just, it's interesting to see. I, I want to see where this goes from here. Well, yeah, and because I remember growing up when it was like, you know, they, was, they would be saying, the, the conversation was mostly about at some point in however many years, like they had a year based on it, is America would have its own race. It wouldn't be <clears throat> this this melting pot because we all melted together but i think most families at least have multiple race family members that have <laughs> married outside of their races and that's kind of like you said it's as this is as as things are growing more how are these wild harebrained ideas being pushed out like, 
and you see this everywhere. I mean, it's, it's happening in the South, it's happening in the North, it's happening all over. So how do these types of things take hold? And I think it's, it's exactly what we talked about earlier when we're talking about the media uh, pushing narratives that aren't true. And that's the only way that they can actually push these narratives is to create these clickbaity headlines to where all you're talking about is what the headline said because nobody actually reads the articles. I mean, Twitter, I think, got rid of their, their, I, I actually think they got rid of the, the notification that said, do you really want to public, do you really want to retweet this? Because they, they did that for like two months and then they're like, oh yeah. no, we got to get rid of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, that was getting really annoying, especially for somebody like me. I, I almost always read the article um, or, or at least click it and, and skim through because there, there's so much, there's so much clickbait out there where the actual core of the article is you know buried three or four or five paragraphs down or maybe the content of the article is in no way reflective of the headline uh, i i got got a couple of times yeah. and like i'm tired of just falling for whatever clickbaity headline yeah comes I, I, i've done that too where you just see the headline <laughs> and you're like oh you all i'm like wait a second and it's kind of the same thing as wait and see yeah. like when you know when people jump down jump the gun when it comes to anything that happens in culture it's like mm -hmm. Can we at least wait and see what happens until we like make a judgment on this? No, we have to have yeah. judgments now. <laughs> yeah, it's almost seen as a sign of weakness if you either a don't have an opinion or b know of an incident but um, are 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 waiting for something else to come out. It's it's almost like yeah. it's a, you you don't know what you're talking about. It's just like no, I I wasn't there. I yeah. don't know. Well, the thing, and then when things do come out it's either it fits the narrative and they keep pushing or sometimes it doesn't fit the narrative but they keep pushing the narrative like the Kyle Rittenhouse stuff you know mm -hmm. like that didn't fit the narrative but they kept pushing it and people still believe yeah. you know yeah, yeah. And, and it's well it's it's a confirmation bias on a macro level really yeah. and uh, if if when an incident occurs and and i i mean we're, we're all probably guilty of this in some way shape or form but I, my my goal is whenever an incident occurs i'm not just jumping to whatever ideological corner i favor and, and then molding whatever facts come out into that that world yeah. view. i try to look at it and be try to be as objective as i can i know where my biases are yeah that's fine but it, that doesn't mean that those biases have to inform your opinion on every new incident that uh, that arises yeah and you have to you have to constantly work on that too because it is i mean i'm the same way as i try to get as much information as possible before doing mm -hmm. that and trying not to let your biases jump in early on and sometimes i catch myself doing it as well so i mean we all yeah. do it um and, and so we we have to we have i mean society has to get better at this stuff but i don't think most people yeah. are t looking at it the same way as like we are and saying you know what i realize i'm biased on this issue but most people don't even want to look at their yeah you, you said it before they don't want to look at their own biases you know yeah and i think what what's really going to what what's going to end up being the the final cost of all of this is what we're bringing up a generation of uh, of people uh, who are coming up voting age and all that they've known is this hyper-polarized way of doing things. And it's, it's, uh, it, it spans more than just the, the Trump era, it spans more than just the Obama era. It's kind of just this yeah. gradual ramping up of all the sliders that we've seen uh, over the past 10, 15 years. So now uh, you have teenagers that they, they don't know what real political negotiation looks like. 
that you you no. think compromise they think of compromise as some sort of capitulation like if you have to compromise the other side one no compromise is supposed to be neither side's getting exactly what they want but exactly. we have this whole all or nothing uh zero sum game version of politics going on right now and it's really going to harm us going forward because yeah. you know what sort of people are we going to be putting on future tickets so people who think that okay the only way to get ahead is to do things that uh, the way that our predecessors did and you know the way they did is you jump to your corners and you beat each other to death with the, the static yeah yeah so at this point in time though it's like any politician that says they want unity is lying through their teeth they want unity as oh, long yeah. as you agree with them mm-hmm. and unity for republicans and democrats doesn't get the job done because <laughs> It doesn't get votes. They want both. They both sides want want cults. They want these cult followings that no matter what you do, you can do no wrong. And then there's the people like us who are kind of in the middle, and we can look objectively at both sides. But it's like, then, but then you got to get cast out by both sides too. So you're kind of in the mm-hmm. middle, and nobody likes anybody that's in the middle. You know. <laughs> exactly, and, and it's it's you're. The, the extremes have become to the point have come to the point where they're pushing more and more people into that middle ground that nobody really wants to inhabit but it's the only place that you can really be uh, objective uh, ideologically and a, a prime example of that is, is the COVID response um, in in bygone eras I think that actually would have been uh, the, the way that COVID came to our shores would have been a galvanizing force against a rival superpower in uh, in the Chinese government um, saying, hey, this came from y'all. This is, you know, you know commun- communism, an, an attack of communism. Let's drop our, you know, differences on domestic shores and, and fight against yeah. this external threat. But no, what we saw was, okay, every po- politician managed to find some way to put their own spin on it. Absolutely. We ended up fighting more amongst ourselves about what COVID is, what COVID is, and how we should call it. Uh, what, what should we wear a mask? Should we mandate this and that and the other thing? Next thing you know, we managed to turn an external threat in, or, or a, a threat that originated from you know, uh, from abroad, and we managed to turn that into a domestic political football of sorts. And it just, it, it really is a microcosm of where, like you said, politicians' minds are at now. There, it's yeah. it's a self-serving profession. But even more so now, when you can take something on, on that big a scale and, and turn it into a, and turn it into a domestic football issue, as opposed to uh, looking at the bigger picture. Absolutely. Well, okay. So the last thing I think we need to talk about with critical race theory, though, is what is the solution? Because mm-hmm. I've seen ban critical race theory, which is what a lot of people on the right are pushing for. Um, and then I actually kind of agree with that, that group we talked about earlier, where they're talking about, you can't ban something because it will just turn into something else. You have to fight it on ideas. And so what do you counter critical race theory with? Um, yeah. What do you, I mean, what do you counter critical race theory with, I guess, is the question. (laughs) And that's a tough, it's a tough answer because we all know that academia is extremely far to the left. Um, so I, I don't think, uh, federal level notwithstanding, I don't think there's really a way to stop it in its tracks at this point. We're, we're, we're too far down the track of, um, it, it's there, it's at the forefront of everybody's consciousness, and 
those on that left side of the aisle who uh, were going to be predisposed to uh, agree with it anyway are going to find some way to work it into their curriculum. So uh, one, you have to fight on the micro level in different communities would be like, hey, we're, we're not about critical race theory, but then the combat to that is you have to offer an alternative. Uh, yeah. You have to offer, you know, hey, here's a study of critical race theory. Here's a study of the anti-racism push, and don't even put it, don't even put it out there as directly rebutting the critical race theory because that's going to be just as hard to introduce as critical race theory has been in, in many many communities. But yeah. if you're going to allow people to do a deep dive into it, like I said, I think most people. Um, are not going to be in agreement with it, especially when they realize that it's a it, it's perpetual racial struggle that cannot be sustained if our current racial trends continue. Yeah. So it, it, it's it's not something that is going to be able to stand on its own two feet for very long. But you have to give people tools to deconstruct it, and that's that's really the only way. I I feel for the people going through. Um, public educa public education systems. Uh, I did not go through. I was homeschooled until I. I uh, went up to, uh, to Texas A&M for college. Um, so my mom uh, had full control over the curriculum. She brought in out external influences and but was also encouraging us to do our own research and onto different topics. So we weren't just getting, you know, the, the canned story from somewhere, mm -hmm. which is what critical race theory is going to be for the vast majority of people. So I, I think you, you, go you rage hard against as hard against it as you can uh it, from a rhetoric standpoint but then from a practical standpoint that if there's no alternative introduced uh, it's going to find its way into you know the bread and butter curriculum sooner or later yeah yeah and i agree and i think that that is why it's dangerous any anytime you do this because again the left are masters at quite a few things and when they start and, and marxists love to do this because nice. they know that even if they don't get critical race theory, whatever you use as an alternate is still yes. going to be further left than what than what you that what you actually want to put into your curriculum. So it's that's the constantly moving left of the country that we see. That's, mm -hmm. how, that's how they've done it for years and years and years with everything that they've done. So yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting dynamic. It's going to be an interesting fight. Uh, there there are times when. That's appropriate, I, I think, um, and I, I would I would hold up the LGBT um, rights and, and and cause as as probably a prime example of that. Appropriate, given that uh, it's June, but it, it's just you know there there's a there's you you can say what you what you will for or against uh, the community, but that there has been a net positive, and I, I think that that is. That is a, a, an important feather in the cap for people to understand, but that can also swim the other way when it comes to issues like critical race theory, where it's a net negative. So you don't want the pendulum swing to be so far to the left, but then when it comes back, it doesn't come all the way back. So we, we want to make sure that you're not just trying to hold it in place, but also try to push it back in, into the direction of not just common sense, but respect yeah. for your fellow man on the basis of race, which and, is what critical race theory yeah. does not do. Exactly. I think that's, that's, that's a good point as well. Like we have to, we have to get it so the pendulum's not swinging. And, and, and the key to that is that it is exactly what you said. It's just having common decency and seeing everybody else respectfully. And it's not just race. It's, it, it's everything. It's across all culture. And, um, but right now 
you know the cult the left seems to hold the cultural narrative and that's the that's the hard the hard push is to get people to realize and i think that the right actually made a lot of headway in the last election you know with the walk away movement did tremendous things and now actually they're trying to push those same people out of the republican party that were helping them you know like the only category that donald trump did not gain voters in like a percentage of voters is straight white men the Mm -hmm. only category that he did not have higher percentage of voters so that should tell you where the left is you know where democrats are and where their priorities really are they gain more in the people that they're telling are their oppressors, right? Yes, yes, it's fascinating. That that that's the true <laughs> stock conundrum, if you ask me. Absolutely, I agree. I agree. Another conversation. <laughs> yeah, that's a, those, these are there's a lot of different conversations that we could go off from there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, for sure. Next time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, I will definitely. I mean, yeah, I will definitely have you on again. Um, we will we'll talk all these issues some other time and anytime you want to come on you are more than welcome to come on so um so yeah i guess that's um that's it thank you for coming on um enjoyed it um you know like subscribe to the channel um got a lot of big things coming up got quite a few good interviews um and also go and find trey where where can you find you at uh a lot of different places on social media you probably know my brother damani more than me uh, I'm on uh, Twitter at tbirdtrey underscore 10. It's Trey with a three, not an E. Um, I'm also on YouTube with Damani with our YouTube channel, YouTube channel, The Wright Brothers. If you search for it, it's going to pull up some other brothers, Wilbur and Orville. They did something or other with a plane, I think. But yeah. uh, you're, you're probably going to have to fix that autocorrect from uh, W-R-I-G-H-T to R-I-G-H-T. But uh, we're out there as well. Lots of varied content on uh, on our channels, and we also are on uh, Facebook. He's on TikTok, but uh, if you're looking for me specifically, I'm probably hanging out on Twitter, uh, custom in Spanish for some weird reason. So that, that's yeah, my. Sh- I'll <laughs> put I'll put those links in the description as well. So thanks again. Absolutely, thanks and giggle. <laughs>